2 Samuel chapter 6. David again gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal Judah to bring up from there God's ark, which is called by the name, even the name of Yahweh of armies who sits above the cherubim. They set God's ark on a new cart and brought it out of Abinadab's house that was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. They brought it out of Abinadab's house, which was in the hill with God's ark, and Ahio went before the ark. David and all the house of Israel played before Yahweh with all kinds of instruments made of cypress wood, with harps, with stringed instruments, with tambourines, with castanets, with cymbals. When they came to the threshing floor of Narcon, Uzzah reached for God's ark, and took hold of it, for the cattle stumbled. Yahweh's anger burned against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error, and he died there by God's ark. David was displeased, because Yahweh had broken out against Uzzah, and he called that place Perez Uzzah. To this day, David was afraid of Yahweh that day, and he said, How could God's ark come to me? So David would not move Yahweh's ark to be with him in David's city, but David carried it aside into Obed-Edom, the Gittite's house. Yahweh's ark remained in Obed-Edom, the Gittite's house, for three months, and Yahweh blessed Obed-Edom and all his house. King David was told, Yahweh has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of God's ark. So David went, and brought up God's ark from the house of Obed-Edom into David's city with joy. When those who bore Yahweh's ark had gone six paces, he sacrificed an ox and a fattened calf. David danced before Yahweh with all his might, and David was clothed in a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up Yahweh's ark with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. As Yahweh's ark came into David's city, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out through the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before Yahweh, and she despised him in her heart. They brought in Yahweh's ark and set it in its place in the middle of the tent that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before Yahweh. When David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of Yahweh of armies. He gave to all the people, even among the whole multitude of Israel, both to men and to women, to everyone, a portion of bread, dates and raisins. So all the people departed, each to his own house. Then David returned to bless his household. Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious the king of Israel was today, who uncovered himself today in the eyes of his servants' maids, as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. David said to Michael, It was before Yahweh who chose me above your father, and above all his house to appoint me prince over the people of Yahweh, over Israel. Therefore I will celebrate before Yahweh. I will be yet more vile than this, <laughs> and will be worthless in my own sight. But the maids of whom you have spoken will honour me. Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child to the day of her death. So David really wants to bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. Now, this is a, it's an interesting chapter. 
The Ark of the Covenant represents the presence of God. David wants the presence of God in Jerusalem, and because it's a symbol that God approves, but at least that's what everyone says. But I also think David just wants the presence of God with him, which is such a smart thing, and it's also so wonderful. But he clearly didn't read the, uh, you know, the book of Leviticus, uh, was it Exodus, where it describes the process of taking the ark. So they put the ark on an ox cart, which is not the prescribed manner. Now, the Philistines did it in 1 Samuel, but the Philistines didn't know better, and they had enough problems of their own, and that's why they were getting rid of it. So they just put it on the ark and said, whoo, off you go. But David and all of Israel should have known better, and the, the book of Leviticus, or Exodus, explained how to do it. So in their first attempt to bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem, it failed and Uzzah died. And David was upset, but it also says he was afraid. Because the fear of God is a wonderful thing. Realizing that you can't just take God for granted. You can't just do things the way you think. Things have to be done the Lord's way. We all fall into David's trap. It's obvious looking back and saying, well, shouldn't he have known that you needed the Levites to carry it in a certain way? Yeah, it's obvious to us, but we all do things that we think is what the Lord wants, but we all so often fail to fear the Lord and do it the way he wants. It's a common, it's a common trap. So the Ark of the Covenant is put in Obed-Edom's house. He wasn't even an Israelite. He was a Gittite, but the Lord blesses him. And that just goes to show the blessing of having the presence of the Lord in your life. And so we should all cultivate the presence of the Lord in our lives. But eventually, when, the, when David hears that, he thinks, aha, no, I really do need the Ark of the Covenant in Jerusalem. And he obviously figures it out because in the second example, it's carried. And so he, he obviously does it the right way. And he has the Levites there and, and, and they, they're offering sacrifices in front of it the whole way and he's dancing. He's, he's so happy. And it says he's dancing in an ephod. Now, some people said he was dancing in his underwear. Um, some people, I, I know that an ephod was kind of like a linen undergarment, but it was a full length undergarment. I know the priests used to wear ephods. The high priest had a special ephod that he used to wear. I'm guessing that an ephod was more than one type of thing. Because when we get to the end of the chapter, my, uh, David's wife, Michael, says, uh, you know, how you distinguish yourself, uh, you know, in all Israel, you know, getting unrobed like that. So I guess it was a kind of an undergarment that wouldn't normally be seen, but it wasn't as quite as bad as, say, just wearing your undies. Um, but <laughs> I guess it was an embarrassing enough for David's wife to be disgusted by him. and um, But David, he was so caught up with the joy of having the, finally being able to bring the Lord into Jerusalem, to have the presence of the Lord with him, it didn't seem to matter to him. And um, I, just, I just wonder what it would be like if we had that level of joy over having God's presence in our lives. Um, what a difference that would make for us. We'll come back to that in just a second. But David, he, he brings the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem to a special tent that he has set up for it. Now, this is not 
the, um, the tabernacle that we've talked about back in Exodus and Leviticus. This is another tent. This is called the tabernacle of David, not the tabernacle of Moses. Now, the tabernacle of Moses, it's somewhere else. It's, uh, I'm trying to remember where they'd put it, but it definitely wasn't in Jerusalem. So what's going on here is something different to what God said with Moses. And so weirdly, um, God allows all this. David is dressed in an ephod, which is like priests' kind of clothes. It says here he blesses all the people. He brings the Ark of the Covenant into a, um, a different tent. And there's so much joy, and the Lord seems to be in it. And what I think is going on here is we've got a window into the New Testament. We've got a window into grace. Because in the Old Testament, only priests could go into, the, into that tent, into the tabernacle. But in the New Testament, we're told that we're all priests. And here, David is acting like a priest, and he blesses all the people. Well, I think we've just got a window into grace. And you remember that David is a picture of Christ. And through Christ, we are all blessed, just as David blesses all the people. And through Christ, we're able to all come to the presence of God. We're able to all have the presence of God among us. It's, the presence of God isn't put off into some secret holy of holy place where no one can go in. It's just in the city with everyone. And so we've got a real window into grace right here. It's no wonder David was rejoicing. And I think David must have known something. And a lot of the Psalms that are written by David, 73 Psalms, a lot of them are Psalms of praise. David knew the Lord in a way. There was something going on here where we have a window into the New Testament, into grace. And we're going to explore more of that when we get to the Psalms. And um, later on in the book of Amos, chapter 9, verse 11, it says, uh, the prophet says, I will restore David's fallen tent. That is not talking about the temple. That's talking about this tabernacle of David here. And it's talking about what that symbolized. It, worship and lots of other things as well. But it's talking about grace. It's talking about the body of Christ. It's talking about other things. We'll get to that in Amos as well. But at the end of this chapter, uh, David's wife, Michael, she looks out the window and despises him. And uh, it seems... When I was a kid and I read this and it said that she had no children to the day that she died, I thought God must have struck her with a curse. <laughs> Which, uh, now that I've read this all a bit more closely, I realise that isn't what happened. There's a, for, a few things. First of all, David was married to her. She was his first wife. And I guess they were truly, it was a true marriage. And it was his only wife at that point. But David had to flee for his life and she was taken off him and given to Paltiel. And David um, did not see her for at least 10 years. So in the meanwhile, she has five sons. And we find out about them later. So she actually has children. And then when David gets his wife back, she these times are quite different to the times we live in now. So she is taken back off Paltiel so she is taken away from her husband that she's had five children with and presumably she misses her children and we know that her husband deeply loved her because he followed her with tears. So we've got a woman here, we don't know much about her feelings, but we, we know, well, I feel like she probably wasn't happy being there. And um, it certainly hasn't turned out the way that everyone thought. But in the meanwhile, David's also married a whole bucket load of other women. And um, so I think she had a pre-existing bad attitude to David. 
And I think that when she looked out the window and saw him dancing, she just, it, it was just an opportunity for all that negativity to come out. It doesn't mean it was right. It shouldn't have been there, but it's just an explanation. And um, so I think when the Bible says she had no, well, when it says she had no child to the day of her death, it meant with David. She already had five children. And it probably means that David and her did not have any intimate relationships. Because of her negativity toward David, and David had plenty of other wives, he probably wasn't feeling very motivated to spend any time with her. And um, so it's just a practical explanation for what most likely happened. So just, I don't think it's a curse. I want to finish with a thought. David said to her that um, I will be even more vile than this. Now that's this translation. A different translation says I will be even more undignified than this. <laughs> there used to be a song um, we used to sing, you know, uh, and I will be even more undignified than this. You might remember it, a song, and we used to sing it in church. When I was a teenager and we used to sing this song in church, the idea was that we were all supposed to get, start dancing before the Lord, but I could just never do it. <laughs> I always used to feel like I just couldn't be undignified. I guess it's a struggle we all have. And I really do admire David. From 3,000 years ago, I look back on him and I think, you know, he was a genuine worshipper of God. And the question to be asked is, would you be Christ's fool? Would you be willing to be Christ's fool? Would you be willing to be undignified for Christ? It's a real question and it's a real challenge. And I guess I'd be willing if I had to. <laughs> um, but if I don't have to dance in front of others, I'll opt for that. <laughs> so uh, it's a good question to worth contemplate, contemplating. So Lord, we want to thank you for people like David who loved you so much that they lose all sense of who's watching them and who's observing them, and they're just so happy to praise you. And Lord, the fact that the presence of God was brought into Jerusalem and it was worth having there, Lord, we, it reminds us of how much we need your presence in our lives. Lord, fill our hearts afresh today with your Holy Spirit. Fill our minds with thoughts of the Lord. Lord, may our heart be filled with love for Christ, the Nazarene. Lord, may we come to know you more and more. May the presence of God overflow out of our lives to bless and to touch others. Give us the joy that David had, we pray. In Jesus' name.